are you? I'm great. Well, you're always great. Not true. <laughs> Get out of my brain. I had my Santa hat and my dog ran off with it. Oh, no. I, true story. I, I pulled into the garage like at 2.53 and opened the first Christmas tub that I hadn't gotten to. And there was my hat. A little bit. There you go. I can't wear a hat if you don't have one. Yeah, no. I blame my dog on that one. Okay. This is our Christmas episode. That's, yeah. And we. this is episode 67. We, who, it's like a year and a lot. Yeah. It's amazing. It was such a wonderful byproduct of COVID, wasn't it? And the low boredom threshold. You and I both had too much time on our hands. Exactly. So let's have weekly meetings. (laughs) (laughs) We talk on the phone and then you said, let's turn it into a podcast. And Kevin knew how to do that. And then all I have to do, because they asked me at lunch, we had a staff lunch today. Yeah. And they said, so what do you do for the podcast? And I said, I show up and Kim talks and then she aims the train that way and I take it off the tracks and then she, it works out just fine. I don't do anything. I just show up. It's easy. But I think that's why it works. It's because it's funny. I had a patient come see me who listens to the podcast. She's from out of state and she comes flying in. It's so great to see you again. And I'm like, (laughs) We've never met. She's, I see you all the time. I've watched every podcast twice. And so it's funny. She's, I just feel like I know you. And I'm like, that's, that's great. That's, I think why it works is because we're quite organic and we, it's not too scripted. And it's a, it's a compliment. I think so. Because we're not any different in person with our patients. No. Then we are on the podcast. There's no podcast Carol and real Carol. They're roughly the same. And I think that's that sometimes happens when you see a doctor as a patient and then you see them outside. I'm like, wow, you're so different. And I don't know if I necessarily like that. I I don't know. I like to just be the same person. I like to interact with people that are the same way. Just be you. I have one exception, and that is in the practicum portion of the core. Yes. I there's the first practicum is always they're so excited about getting started and there's a lot of this and that. And there's I feel like I should have a name tag that goes from Dr. Carol to Dr. Mom because I it I let them go for about three, four minutes and then I put the mic close to my mouth and go, hey, stop talking. Patient on the table, you with the machine, you sit at the head of the table. And they were reminding me that one of our practitioners said, my butt clenched up because all of a sudden it sounded like my mom. (laughs) And it's just the name tag goes from Dr. Carol, the Dr. Mom. Right. I feel like I should have one that switched. But you're right. There is that component when we're teaching. And for me, it's the opposite. That happens at the sports course, the last practicum, because then they're having way too much fun and they're jumping off of the desks and they're like 
doing karate kicks. And that actually happened last year at the advance. And I was just like, okay, this is great that we're like using our creativity. Yes. But let's not create fractures. Yeah. No, no fractures. No, not at the course. Yeah. It's, and by the last practicum, it's like I described last week, it is a free for all. That's where you have eight tables and it's supposed to be the lumbar spine and it's never the almost never the lumbar spine no it's the ureter it's ovarian cysts it's abdominal adhesions it's food sensitivities it's uh, yeah and oh, so i let them i just wander around and it's really fun because there's no script for it there's two slides yeah. and None of the slides apply because it's where you get to practice, treat what you find. And that is so symbolic of the way the course has changed over the last five, 10 years from going from very, I don't want to say very scripted, but from having a definite template of which we were treating and definite frequencies in an order based on, it's funny. I had this conversation with, I have a lot of stories to share this week, but oh, good. I was having this conversation with a patient who's an out-of-state athlete and they've had some exposure to FSM from different clinicians who have taken courses a while ago, one of which has never taken a course, just inherited a custom pre-programmed custom care. Oh, wow. And even with a good professional degree and a custom care that was loaded with probably 25 of the most basic protocols you would need for an athlete, these patients are going to get somewhat better because that's just the way it works. And that's why it is such a great tool to have because you, you can't really mess it up when you're practicing in that platform. True. But this one athlete got a very significant injury. So it was, I was grateful that the practitioner that treats him contacted me and said, we need your expertise to really dial this in for this athlete. Said, Easy. No problem. Tell me what happened. I need the mechanism of the injury. I need to know how many days were out, blah, 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 blah. All the important questions. It's a pretty straightforward injury made a very specific program and within minutes of the athlete having it, called me and said, dude, yeah. it feels so good. And I'm like, that's great. I'm glad that it's, I'm glad that you're getting some pain relief. No, I've had these machines on before. I've never felt like this before. I'm like, that's great. Because I never want to, with my list of instructions, I never want to front load, oh, you're going to feel so dwarfed and it's going to feel so good. Because like you talk about in the practicum, the first one that we do, there is that bell curve of some people that just don't feel it. And it doesn't mean it's not effective. And I used to make that mistake in my early days practicing. I'm like, you're going to feel so good and you're going to get so stoned and this is going to work so well. And then it doesn't. And because of my background in hypnosis, you never want to set up a situation where a patient's personality or psyche is oppositional. You will feel 
And there's something about that particular patient where there was their unconscious response is, no, I won't. You can't tell me what I'm going to feel. So I'm not going to feel that. So there. And I'm right and you're wrong. So I have a child that's like that. Yeah. It's my goal. And this is what I tell everybody when I start is my goal is to not make you worse. Yeah. And that, and that's, oh, so you set the bar low. Then when they get stoned and pain-free, it's, yes. Oh, I got to treat, speaking of injuries, I got to treat a new patient today. Yes, not today, yesterday, who had a new injury six days ago. Hmm. He had a laparoscopic surgery to remove his left adrenal gland. That's a good face. The adrenal gland had a tumor in it that increased aldosterone. So his blood pressure was all over the map prior to the surgery. He was in atrial fib because his potassium requirements went from, I don't know, 20 milligrams to 800 milligrams. So it was, yeah, it was nuts. So they went in laparoscopically, removed the adrenals, and he had one, two, three, four, five ports. And he came in, bent over a bit at the waist, as you would, and limping with his left leg. <clears throat> and a custom care that one of my patients had loaned him programmed with new injury for right after the surgery. And then he came in for me to treat him and create a program for post-adrenal surgery. So you take, so I had a precision care and just made a list. So you think about the first thing I did was the poor kidney. Is there any way to remove the adrenal gland without insulting the kidney? So 124 and 294 and giving the kidney some love. But then his belly was full of air because they have to inflate it to make room. And at the symposium five years ago, Primus from Germany did a case report on a patient that had bilateral shoulder pain after an abdominal surgery where they put in CO2 to inflate the abdomen, he used, there is a frequency for, all I could think of was air and there was nothing for air. And then we did similes and the patient said, gas. And so I ran the frequency for gas in the fascia. Yes. All the puffiness in his abdomen went from an outie to an innie. Wow. So that softened up. And then it was six days. So I ran 284 because he's bruised. But what's bruised? The fascia, the connective tissue, the poor small intestine. If you think about what they have to do to get to the adrenal glands from the front and tender to touch on the skin to light touch, wasn't nerve. What's the basement membrane of the skin made of? 
connective tissue. So I put in torn and broken in the connective tissue and that really tender spot just went away. Oh, okay, put that down. Then I went to torn and broken in the fascia and the tender spot in the skin came back, but the rest of his belly got soft and the pain went down. Fascia is the peritoneum, right? That's deeper. And it was torn and broken because of what they do. So as I went and probed, and I did inflammation in the small intestine and trauma in the small intestine, the normal stuff. But those two, I ran 124 and torn and broken in the connective tissue, torn and broken in the fascia, 30 minutes a piece, 20 minutes a piece while I programmed his custom care. So at that point, he said, I have to go to the bathroom. So when he sat down in the recliner, he said, There's, you're going to have to help me get out of this thing. When he had to go to the bathroom, he unhooked the leads from the sticky pads, unreclined the chair, stood up, was not bent over, was in no pain, no, no limping, walked to the bathroom, walked back. I never get to treat patients six days after surgery. It was so much fun. And the, like, the thing that I talk about when the post-op protocols is you have to, especially when it's laparoscopic, you have to think about the path. What did they have to do? And if you're going to blow up the abdomen with three quarts of CO2, what's going to get stretched and what's going to hurt? So we did 40 and 396, didn't do much. It was so fun. Is that cool? It is. And I'm laughing because I get to see the athletes with the new injuries all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lots to unpack with what you had just said. But one of the things I want to touch on is for the practitioners that are listening, when you get a chronic patient, yes, you have to retrace your steps or retrace their steps so much. Like what happened to get the condition in the predicament that it's in, but it's also very indicated with a brand new injury because it's not just 40. It's not just 124. Like you have to, again, like retrace your steps. Yes, it's torn and broken, but what happened? They, there was some trauma. There was some bleeding. Maybe it's removed the anesthetic from the area. Like there's. I forgot to do that. Uh, I, I, I So I yeah. But that's what you, especially for post-op, that's, we get really caught up with 40 and we get really caught up with torn and broken, but there's a lot more to this story. If you can just, it's almost like translating it, translating the history that's from like another language and you have to put it in the literal sense of the word. And then you have to think about the lateral sense of the word. For instance, I have been knocking it out of the park the last six months with pain and pressure. Oh, 20. Oh, 20. yeah. yeah. And it's one that I never got a ton of results from, but I, you know, that magic laminate that you have 
It's almost, I don't know if you've seen them on Facebook or Instagram. It almost looks like a word scramble. And then it says the first five words that you see will be like your mantra for the next year. That's almost what the laminate reminds me of because we have so many frequencies and numbers, but the one that you need has a way of, yes, look at me. I'm right here. It's like in bold print and it just sticks out in your face and you go, that doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. And you look at the whole rest of the laminate and that sticks out and you go, okay, fine. That's a little bird on your shoulder. This isn't going to work. <laughs> okay. I'll try it. Right. Yeah. It does. And that's what I had with 20 and I've had it with instances where the joint is affected, especially in a chronic condition, especially in the knees, pain, oh, and, pressure. pain and pressure in the knees. I always do Pain and pressure in the I, kidney stone patient. This, <clears throat> and that was 20 and 157. Seriously. I'm serious. I'm not sure what it does for healing, but to take away the pain in something, especially when there's osteoarthritis, tracking issues, tibial plateau fracture. Oh, yeah. It's been unbelievable. See, and with the tibial plateau fracture and, the, and even facet, injuries exactly 24 torn or broken and necrosis 54 right stuff it's there's no there's no circulation to the cartilage so pressure and pain makes a certain amount of sense yeah Um, and i go from torn and broken to inflammation and i just go right to necrosis but 20 is a good drive-by Leaf says spondylolisthesis isn't lumbar. Oh, yes. Spondylolisthesis is lumbar spine and it is mechanical. So when you have, for those of you who aren't practitioners, spondylolisthesis is where, you know, the vertebrae are supposed to stack on top of each other. And you have one vertebra, the ligaments get loose. And it slides forward on the vertebra below. Usually it's L5 on S1, but it can be, it's usually in the lumbar spondy is in the lumbar spine. Yep. Five on S1 or L4 and L5. Sometimes the lamina, the back part of the spine are fractured or degenerated, pushing the vertebra forward. A grade one is one quarter, so 25% of the vertebra above is hanging off the vertebra below. 50%, 75%, and nothing. It's hanging on by just the posterior joints. So it is lumbar spine. You can't put tissue back that's not there. You can treat the ligaments. You give them exercises to try and pull the vertebra back. The pain generators are the facet joints, the posterior joints in the back, because they're getting smashed because the vertebra is moving forward. And there's no way to have a vertebral body slide forward and have the disc annulus be intact. This is a case where you're going to have both disc and facet and torn ligaments and exercises 
and mobilization from the front to the back. Right. And yes, Leaf. There you go. So Maddie has a question and she had emailed me this morning with a little bit more detail. And Maddie, kudos for you for jumping on here and making sure that we answer your question. It's on my list. I fast tracked it. So we have, and it's interesting because I do want to talk about a couple of things that she talked about. Bit of a history is we have a young 16 year old hockey player that was struck on the outside of her leg, had a partial CL tear and a partial meniscus tear. We've got some bone bruising on the tibial plateau, had an MRI four weeks later, no ligament or meniscal injury. Problem is when I do medial gapping of the knee and positive, hang on, she had other, no meniscal tear. Oh, bone marrow edema. And this is what I want to talk about. Bone marrow edema and subcortical impaction of the posterior medial tibial plateau. Okay. So a couple things there. And I don't know when you saw her Maddie after that injury, how long it's been. I think she said, what is it? Four weeks? No. The injury was on October 21st. Okay. So there's the history there. And you did a treatment, I think, in learning the thinking of FSM and where to start and having an MRI saying nothing there but bone bruising, except the physical exam suggests medial knee pain is still very positive. Mom is not a great believer in this. Okay. She ran, stopped the bleeding, and then 124, 100, obviously torn and broken in the ligament doesn't change her active range of motion or pain. Knee flexion stayed the same. Okay. You got to treat the bone. Have to treat the bone. Bone bruise is a bone bruise, bone marrow, and subcortical microfractures. So what the MRI, sorry, I can't, I just. No, I want you to talk because we don't talk about bone marrow edema or bone marrow lesion as what we see on an MRI very often. And it's very important because it's very indicated. Well, and so the bone marrow edema and a bone bruise, it doesn't mean anything. So you have in, if you were to dissect it, what you would find is the sub the cortical bone is not fractured. So she doesn't have a tibial plateau fracture. Cortical bone, the hard stuff on the outside is not fractured right. underneath it. And I can't remember if it's 59 or 39. So subcortical bone, the, the crinkly stuff inside before you get to the marrow, that's torn and broken, that's inflamed. And so you treat that You also have to treat the periosteum for inflammation and torn and broken because you can't bruise the inside of the bone without annoying the periosteum on the outside. So you treat the periosteum for, because the periosteum is the pain generator, it's it's innervated, right? So you treat the periosteum for inflammation, torn and broken, trauma, And the reason that marrow edema causes pain, there's no pain nerves in the the bone marrow or in the subcortical bone. The pain nerves are in the periosteum. So when the bone marrow swells, 
so you bruise it, the bone marrow is incredibly vascularized. There's a lot of blood vessels in there. So you treat the bone marrow for hemorrhage, inflammation, and congestion. Don't treat bruising because you want it to clot. So no 284. I don't care how long ago it was. You just leave it alone. That's my approach. You have more mileage. So you get the swelling down in the marrow. You treat cortical bone, the 59 and 39 for torn and broken and inflammation. But the range of motion isn't going to change until the periosteum is quiet. And then if you look at the mechanics in the knee, the muscles on either side, there's the ligaments, but the range of motion is controlled by the muscles. And there's no way to do all that damage to the bone without torn and broken in the 77. Most of the tendons in the knee are flat. Yeah. There's a couple of round ones in the hamstrings. And knee yeah, so uh, hamstrings are buggered. So, uh, I think that's the technical medical term, right? <sighs> Thrashed. Uh, yeah. So torn and broken in the round tendons, torn and broken, yeah, and the extension is minus five. That's the flat tendons, 77. And remember, there's 13 bursas in the knee. Right. So I think what I just described is like five machines. Something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was in that chat or in the email, but she had mentioned posterior medial tibial plateau, lateral patella sublux injury. Oh, go. So yes, it's an MCL injury and that's what you're seeing objectively on imaging. But like you said, you have to go so much more expansive with that and thinking about what are the neighbors, right? So you don't, nothing happens in isolation. What is around the area? So yes, the ligament can get strained zero to three degrees, surgical, non-surgical. But the ligament's never the problem. The Sorry. ligament is never the problem. It's always, so the periosteum is going to be your biggest and safest bet at knocking pain down right away. Like you said, it's the pain generator. So when a ligament gets thrashed or strained, if this is hockey, yes, there's trauma. There's going to be a blow to the area. It's going to get stretched, but what's going to hurt is when it pulls on the periosteum and sets the pain off. So it doesn't matter what else is happening. And to your point, the bone marrow edema it's a very painful condition. And a lot of times we overlook the possibility that it's the bone marrow, but it happens in a lot of injuries and it does create pain. So when the imaging shows that, you know what, it's torn, but not that torn, I will go back to treating the bone marrow, like you said, for congestion, especially because it's so congested in there. It's just freaking out. It's everything's trying to heal and there's nowhere for it to go. Congestion in the bone marrow, right? We're not going to try to treat 284. It's not indicated. Who cares? Hemorrhaging 18. That can also take the pain down right away. 
And yes, you still need 124 and 100 and 124 and 783 and 77 and 157, the joint surface. If the meniscus is involved, the tibial plateau is involved, it's a giant joint surface. So 157 would be my also like. Well, 114, if you've taken the advance, it's the meniscus. Yes. And it actually seems to work. It does. And I was a bit of a skeptic of that one because some of the advanced frequencies, I'm like, Ooh, we get three more laminates. And then you start playing with it. I'm like, I'm just going to go back to my core laminate because most of these are slam dunks, but you're right. Two, two fourteen does seem to work. Yeah. No, I was um, so it's Maddie, you got it. Yeah. The hamstrings are holding on for dear life because it, when the hamstrings are tight, I don't, maybe you can explain this. When you have a partial thickness tear, when you have a tendinopathy, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me that the cerebellum makes the muscle tighter. Yeah, no, I know. Okay, good. Thank you. Because why? if I was the cerebellum and the tendon was injured, wouldn't I loosen the muscle? But yes, no. but that makes too much sense. It right? makes the muscle tighter, which makes the tendon worse but it also means you can't move the joint. So I think in that case, because it's trying to get more muscle and it also, I think works in the fact that it's not just sending increased tone to the affected muscle via or the affected tendon via that muscle. It's all the neighbors. So let's just say the Achilles tendon is being affected. It's going to send messages to the soleus and to plantaris. And so all of that via that. So the cerebellum has great intentions. It is. And it's, it, it's why I have six precision cares in one room and my programming computer and four custom cares. So if I've got it already on a custom care or if I can program it really quickly while the patient goes into the restroom. Yes. Great. Otherwise I just, you put, you six machines on and keep your hands on it to feel what makes the change and the patient doesn't always sometimes they do but they'll feel the change in pain immediately like with 124 or 40 totally and you feel the softening yeah yeah i need to go back to one of maddie's comments that she wrote that there's still swelling and then she wrote, I think it's too early for on ice due to the swelling, lack of range of motion and trouble loading into single leg. Absolutely. Here's the thing for, here's the thing for people who are on ice. The rule, the hard rule with us is if you can't do it on the ground, you can't do it on the ice. And if you can't do it on the ground with confidence, you can't do it on the ice. So an athlete needs to have 100% confidence in the affected area for them to return to play. So quickness on ground. Absolutely. Ice is fast. It's fast. And they don't have time to think about change of direction. So Maddie, important components for the return to play here would be quick change of directions. The knee has to be able to handle torque and torque safely, right? It's not just about the lateral blows that MCL is handling the proprioception in the knee and ankle and hip, right? Nothing happens in isolation. So 
it's not just about the swelling. You have to have those muscles return with confidence. So hopefully that. She has to override the primary physiotherapist. Eep. Yeah. Nobody would put this person back on the ice when there's swelling and no function. Nobody should be doing that, especially with a 16 year old. Oh yeah. No. And the ice is really antiquated. If they need to listen to the podcast I had with JP on the game changers using heat on the quads and the hamstrings, you can't rob an area of nutrients. Like you need to have the platelet, your body's natural platelet rich plasma to come in and heal the joint surface. That's not going to do it if you use too much ice. So heat to the quads and the hamstrings to bring good circulation there. You're going to get the anti-inflammatory properties with FSM. So you know that Maddie, come on. Okay. Derek has a question. So excited that I get to go to Australia and meet Maddie in person. Yay. I'm going to Australia too. I know we get to go to Australia. That's exciting. It'll I can't really wait. Yes. All right. Derek has a question. Someone um, with moderate stenal, central stenosis, C56, spondy, whoa, four, five, six, seven, oops, oops. Severe narrowing of the oops. foramina. X-ray is not pretty. No. MRI, buddy. And Neuropathy, and- symptoms, face, legs, feet arm oh mm. face lower part of the face is the four five spondy so remember that the, the there's a loop that goes down into the spinal cord down as low as c4 um for the two lower branches of the trigeminal nerve have a loop that goes down in the spinal cord then back up to the face goes down as far as c4 so if you have changes in sensation or worse numbness in the lower two branches but the upper branch is normal then you know it's the neck or maybe the jaw but in this case it's obviously the neck oh so you need an mri x-rays not pretty that means you check babinski for sure upper reflexes for sure upper strength for sure patellar reflexes for sure. If the Babinski is positive, you call the surgeon when the patient is in your exam room. You do not let the patient go out the door without having made that phone call. If the Babinski is positive, right? Babinski is negative. You've got some time. MRI, find out what moderate central stenosis means. Does it touch the thecal sac? Got some time. Does it touch the front of the cord? You are a 10 mile an hour rear end accident away from being a C5 quadriplegic, right? So if the vertebra is touching the front of the cord and spondylolysis, Spondylosis. Spondylosis. Okay, so it's not a spondylolisthesis, it's a spondylolysis. That just means arthritis at in the facets and in the front of the vertebra. Yeah, it's it you need an MRI and neuropathy syndrome. It's, 
legs and feet, oops, arm makes sense. Legs and feet mean to me, look for 81 and 10. So look for increased tone in the legs. And if the tone in the legs is increased, that'll create pain in the legs and feet. Could also be 40 and 10. Could be just straight up inflammation in the cord. But yeah, there was a practitioner, a patient that came and took the core practicum in San Francisco. And I looked at his MRI and I said, that's surgical. It, he still had a negative Babinski, but his cord was no longer round. It had a dent in it and his legs were tight. And it's that surgical. You sure we can't treat it with FSM? Yes, I'm sure that it's not safe. You have to at least talk to a surgeon. Yeah. And ask five of your friends, ask your GP, find a nurse that works on the orthopedic or the neuro floor, ask her, find the guy, and then go interview. You've got time. If your Babinski is negative, you have time. So interview the surgeons and find one that you can talk to who is not a jerk. That's a nice guy. There are, they do exist. And so that's my, yes, Derek, we are both coming to Hawaii too. That's yes, so we are. I'm so excited. It's funny. I had somebody reach out to me and said, I saw the FSM sports for 2023, Arizona, Hawaii, and Australia. Isn't this all about you? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> 2023 might be just, yes, I'm we're excited about these courses and when well, you lock us up indoors for two and a half years and then you turn us loose. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to check off my bucket lists and teach all at the same time. Does life get better than that? You want to go to Ayers Rock with me? Oh, yes. Okay. Because I've never been. Every time I go to Hawaii, I it's Australia. I don't talk about this much, but I've been sick since 1998. And in the last two years, I am healthier than I've been in the last 15. So when I get to Australia, I used to be so tired that I just stay on the east side. And now I've got a week between the core and the advanced, and I want to fly. I want to go to Ayers Rock. I've never seen it in person. That would be a magic place. Yes. Come to the west. Yes, we will. Um, Diana Cross mentioned it and she had a picture of it in the background when we did the little tribute to you and all the work that you did. And the way Dr. Cross speaks is hypnotic. And we got an email from her. I can't quote it exactly, but it was something like, I found it, the everything. I found out why it works and she didn't tell us what she found, <laughs> but I understand now how it is that 40 and 10 does what it does and how, and so she's so excited. I got goosebumps just talking about it. Diana Cross is thoughtful, relentless, persistent when it comes to reading papers, the bibliography 
on her slides approaches 100, 200. She just keeps reading papers until she makes sense of it, until she finds it. She's been working on this topic for, it has to be four to six years now, four years at least, because it was one symposium, then the next one, and now this one, she, she, she says she finally got it. And now I'm like, I knew I'm so excited. And I finally got the schedule up. Yes, I saw it. It looks perfect. Pictures, yay. So it's And be- thank you for finally not putting me back to back against somebody. <laughs> you had, you, you made me promise. So we are, just so everybody knows, there is no more physical medicine and visceral medicine track because physical therapists need to know what the functional medicine people have to say, because unless you have a stable state and know how to create that stable state within your scope of practice or who to look for and how to assess what that person is telling the patient to do, I think that's an important concept and an important realization that you had to make is just because you can't diagnose and prescribe doesn't mean this material isn't very valid because it gives you some tools to at least identify it to say, this is not within my scope, but this is what I'm seeing. And I have somebody you can talk to about this, but this, the only way this is going to work is if we attack it from all these different angles. And yes, there is no dual track because we're it's, all just one big happy family. It's like you have to, somebody with a muscle injury who's on statins, giving them exercises without telling them they need 400 milligrams of CoQ10 a day, it, it's, there's no point the muscle won't tolerate it because the mitochondria are going. I love that visual mitochondria dying. I do want to bring the train back on the track for a couple minutes because this, this, I'm not sure about next week. I'm going to be in Canada and I'm not sure if I can do Wednesday, but. And I've never done. So I've never done a podcast by myself like you have done. And so. It's, when they ask me today, it's like, what do you do with a podcast? I show up and Kim drives the bus and then I'm, then we play. Well, I, cause okay. we'll confirm that if we might just have to cancel it and, or I just can, kidding, or I'll find I, a way. From I, yes, I can invite someone. I just have to figure out who. There's lots and, of people. There's lots of people. I'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. I'm just thinking. You're thinking oh, out loud. work again. Yeah, sure. We could always use them. So one, one question I had, and I'll leave this to you to, to answer before I get to the fun stuff, is there's a bunch of people getting COVID boosters right now. So what do you, <laughs> that's a good face. What are you recommending as far as FSM before getting a booster or FSM after or both? Before, there's not much point. It's yeah. Afterwards that I only see the people that have symptoms after the booster. So there must be people that do okay with it. So there's that. There's two problems with the boosters. 
One is the virus. So for that, you take the six virus frequencies, 3800, yeah, 3841, 44, 56, 189, and 160. So those six virus frequencies. And there's that. Then you look at what symptoms they have. The biggest challenge that I've seen has been the fatigue that persists, cognitive problems, right? GI problems. And I think those are the major ones. Yeah. So you treat for the virus. And then the other challenge with Pfizer and Moderna in particular is the disinfectant that they use is polyethylene glycol. And in some patients like me, I'm allergic to it and it dissolves connective tissue. It's, it is a preservative in uh, monostat in vaginal cream. And it, anyway, I'll leave it to your imagination. So polyethylene glycol, then you have to look at what, where that toxin has an effect. So number one, you're treating the virus in at least the vagus, brain fog, cortex, anxiety and depression, the midbrain, the vagus, blood vessels. That's a fair guess. And the toxicity will affect the liver and the brain. So those are the two places where I'd go looking for the polyethylene glycol. And then my own personal experience was waking up six, eight, eight, ten hours after my booster with what was going to turn into Guillain-Barre. I had pain down my spine, nerve pain in my arms and legs, and I couldn't move. Went to get out of bed and said, let's get out of bed. And my muscles went, what, huh? Excuse me. And it's like there was, I was on three second satellite delay when it came to movement. So I went across the hall and I put the virus frequencies in spinal cord, sensory motor cortex, and the nerves, and I think, and the blood vessels because the spinal cord and the brain are really well vascularized, right? Ran that, put that on the custom care, went back to bed, ran it with my converter, woke up in the morning and I was fine. So it really depends on what the patient presents with. There's not a single formula for post-COVID, long-haul COVID or post-vaccine and, symptoms, yeah, whatever we can safely say. Yeah. On so post-vaccine reactions or s- symptoms, treat what you find and think your way through what they're dealing with. Headaches, look at the dura. The dura has been like so much fun. Yep. I was reflecting this week on the past year of taking up like 
mindful meditating and gratitude and journaling. And it's been very good for somebody like me to just slow down and be in the present. The only thing that has really made me in the present, something I struggled with my whole life was writing dressage. Oh yeah. Because if you are astroplaning on the back of a horse, you're going to end up in a tree over the rails on the floor. Like you're just not going to be on the horse anymore. It is complete. It's the thing that made riding so perfect for me in my sixties, because you can't wander. It is cognitive. It completely occupies sensory motor and it's just, it's like doing Pilates at 20 miles an hour. Yes. And going into some sort of like meditative trance too, because you are with your breath, you are with your body and the horse's body and there's the connection and there's nothing like it in the entire world. Exactly. And the magnetic field, if you think about resonance, for those of you that don't ride horses, you won't understand. And I'm not sure the same thing can be said for cats or dogs, but with horses and people, the largest magnetic field we put out is electrically, it's the heart and the brain, right? So we have a really strong magnetic field and it goes out from your heart. A horse's heart is four times at least, it's huge. Because it's that big, it has a huge magnetic field. So if the thing I love about equitation or dressage is you and the horse communicate and you have to be in your heart, in your sacrum, in your brain. And yes, motorcycles. Yes. But the magnetic, the resonance between you and the horse and every horse you ride is going to be different. It's just, and motorcycles. (laughs) Yes. You have to be in the present riding a motorcycle. Skiing is the same way. Sure. Yes. This is better. Where was I going? Oh yeah. With my reflections. Reflections. So I was reflecting on the year. I was thinking about the podcast and reflecting on the frequency that taught me the most this year. Okay. To hear yours could be an A or a B or a both. Cause we're always learning. Wow. I, that's a, it's actually the condition that taught me the most was Ehlers Danlos. Sure. It's yeah. 124 and 77. I have yeah. one patient. I treated her twice six months ago. Her Ehlers Danlos is gone. Her range of motion is completely normal. Every place except her inner ear, where there's ligamentous laxity tissue laxity in the semicircular, um, the endolymphatic system. And she's got tethered cords. So she ends up, and that isn't holding. 
So I'd say 124 and 77 is the one that I've learned the most about. Yep. Treating COVID, think, thinking about those six virus frequencies that they developed in 1922 after being through epidemic, epidemic, pandemic by 1919. Pandemic was over by 2021. And these frequencies showed up on this list in 22. And I don't know, that's a hard question. That's why I gave it to you. That's why it's about reflecting on it. Mine was 40 and 89. Yes, without a doubt. Yes. That was the pair that forced me to think about the injury and the return to function after, because you start getting really good at treating the easy stuff. It's torn and broken. It's scarred. It's inflamed. It's blah. But then what? And that was the question. Now, what are we going to do? How do we get him to move it? Safely, with confidence, with all the systems on board that are needed to. And I was like many of my major FSM accomplishments have not been walking gradually into the deep end. It has been like the universe grabs me by the hair and <laughs> drops me in the deepest, coldest part of the pool and says, okay, go. Swim. <laughs> Gratitude for the struggle, right? That's been my, my mantra <laughs> is grateful for the struggle because this is where all the real learning happens. And when you think about anybody's return to normalcy, whether it is playing a professional sport or just putting a mug back on the second shelf of their cupboard again, it is the same sense of joy when you see the expression on their face when they grab the cup or they move their shoulder. And they or can they stand up straight. Or they take a step. Right. And I think that was the big thing that I saw this year was running 40 and 89. Once I was confident with it, once I had faith that it was doing what we thought it was doing and running it no matter what, because I knew they needed it and we had to run it. It is, it was the ejection off the table. Sometimes they were like explosive and let to your point like you don't run it and they need help sitting up and they waddle off the table and then they come back and then you run it and I'm like okay I think we're done and I'll turn my back for just one second and yeah they've taken the leads off and they're standing up and they're tying their shoe and I'm just like whoa (laughs) (laughs) stop it so those yes Ehlers-Danlos COVID 4089 yeah And I think the other thing that's happened this year, getting back into practice and having the opportunity to treat all sorts of different patients, most of which are like, it can't, like literally this one patient was, can't be this, can't be this easy. And it was like literally the whole thing was 13 and 60 and scarring in the ureter, scarring in the kidney, chronic kidney stones, and 20 and 60, and 20 and 23. 
And it's like, he bought a custom care. He's treating himself for the stones. Will the stones pass? And yeah, that's why you have back pain. You've been passing gravel for five years. It's that's, and your parathyroid is elevated. You will not have no kidney stones until you get your parathyroid. Oh, I can't we do it with FSM? It's, no, you get the ultrasound. I don't want to get the ultrasound. I don't care. Get the <laughs> ultrasound. It's Dr. Carol, Dr. Mom. Get the ultrasound. Yeah. Well, what if it needs surgery? And your point is get the surgery. You have four of them. Take one out. The little teeny things. Just get rid of it. It's making you sick. And eventually it's going to kill you because your blood pressure is berserk. Oh, okay, fine. So it's just, I don't even know how I got on that. Oh, I know the opportunity to, to learn what new things, yeah. seeing things. Every patient is different. Yeah. And learning to think my way through it, even after 27 years of doing this, you find frequency combinations that you've never run before. Yeah. Layers of things that you've never seen before. And because you always put the and in there with our community growing as much as it's grown and the ability to share as much as we're able to share, you, you get to hear these, Oh, stop it. It's not four o'clock. You get to hear these stories of what people are trying and you're seeing things maybe with new lenses. I have two quotes and we have a couple announcements still. So two quotes in case I'm not here on Wednesday. So this one kind of just builds on what we're talking about says we can't heal the world today. But we can begin with a voice of compassion, a heart of love, and an act of kindness. Exactly. So I think that happens when we're overwhelmed a little bit with certain patients. Like we can't cure them all in one treatment or all today, but we can start the process by listening. I think the most important thing we do with FSM is listen. Yes. Be, and we listen because we have a tool that makes listening useful. Yes. If all you need is a word to call it, oh yeah, fibromyalgia, good. Take this tricyclic antidepressant for the rest of your life. Goodbye. Yeah. When you know that what the patient is about to say will tell you what you need to do we tend to listen and just the fact that you're willing to try makes mm -hmm. a difference and just the fact that you have a vision so what's that quote it's the physician's job to hold the vision of the patient as healed until the patient can see it for themselves I like that one this builds on my last quote. It says a kind gesture can reach a wound that only compassion can heal. Oh, I love that. Say that again. A kind gesture can reach a wound that only compassion can heal. Sweet. Yep. 
That's going to be my last quote of the year because I may or may not be here on Wednesday, but you will be. I will be. But this is happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all the things. So grateful for you. Grateful for you and for everybody. For everybody, yes. Here's this who uses FSM. We think of Christmas as gift giving. I want y'all to think about the gift you are to your patients and the gift to you that your patients are, even the ones you can't fix. Right. That's the gift. And I'm grateful for the gift of FSM, right? Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Do good things. Enjoy everything. And I may or may not see you next week. If I don't, I will see you next year. We'll figure it out. We always do. We always do. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations. No person should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the content provided in any podcast without first seeking appropriate medical advice and counseling. No information provided in any podcast should be used as a substitute for personalized medical advice and counseling. FSS expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on or any contents of this podcast.